Exodus 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. I know I'm going fast. They'll post the notes for you. Um, But Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You could tell I'm a mom. I'm like, children, please obey me. (laughs) That's how we, we say it in our house. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. This is a commandment that has a promise connected to it, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so I don't want to go any further without acknowledging that this is a hard day for some of you. Um, For some of you, it's a great day. And you know what? If you sit through this sermon, you should not feel any guilt or shame about that. For years, I would sit with people in pastoral counseling who had really broken relationships with their dad, and I would feel guilty because I'm like, my dad was awesome. Um, And I'm so thankful for that. Um, But I will say, at some point in everyone's life, they will experience fatherlessness. So whether you grew up with the best dad ever or you never had a dad. My husband, he, he didn't have a dad in his life. And, um, and so I always had one. And that was a point of tension in our marriage for a long time. He's talked very openly about that. He would be jealous or he would have feelings. And we had to deal with that over time. And then, you know, uh, maybe five, I can't even remember how long ago now, but my dad passed unexpectedly. And so today is a hard day for me too. So I'm with you. I get it. And I just want to acknowledge that this, this is... Um, this might be hard because you didn't never had a dad, or it might be hard because you lost a dad like me, or maybe you have a strained relationship, um, or maybe you yourself are a bad dad. You can laugh. It's okay. It's supposed to be, I was just, it was just a joke. The first service was more lightened. <laughs> they, were, they were a lot lighter than you guys. Okay. <laughs> but that is the reality. I mean, we're, we're joking, but the reality is, is that some, there was a time and season where, because here's the thing, people are like, well, I, you know, I treated their mother like garbage, but I was a good dad. Let me tell you, if you love your children, you'll love their mother. So a lot of, a, you know, a lot of young dads, they kind of let that roll off their back. But then when the adult children get to an age, they harbor a lot of bitterness for, okay, you were good to me, but man, you hurt my mom. So I know we all laugh, but some of y'all, okay, I'm just saying, if it hits you, it hits you. (laughs) But we're going to talk about some bad dads in the Bible, just so you can feel a little bit better, because none of y'all were this bad, I guarantee it. Um, But I want to say, whether or not you've had a good dad or a bad dad, No one at the end, Mike and I are pastors. We've been pastors for many years. Our pastors have been pastors for many years. We've been at many bedsides. We've been um, with people at the, the we get to be with people at the beginning of their life and the end of their life. And that's just part of being a minister. And I will say, um, I've never had anybody tell me that they regret honor. No one has ever said, they say that they regret withholding forgiveness. They say that they regret time that they didn't spend. They say that they regret ways in which they communicated to their family. But no one on their deathbed has ever said, 
I regret honoring my parents. No one's ever done that. And so you can live a life of dishonor and there will be a lot of regret. But when you live a life of honor, you get to live free. And so um, Exodus 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that, your Lord, that the Lord God is giving you. It is the very first commandment with a promise attached to it. So the word honor, I looked it up, you know, um, and it means weighty. It means actually, you know, when you, I think it was Hebrew. When you look it up, it says heavier than sand. This is weighty. Honor is not a joke. There's weight on that word. And so we all got a story, right? We all got a narrative. Everybody loves that word, narrative. You can laugh. Come on, lighten up. (laughs) We're all toxic to someone else. So you might be sitting there like, I'm an angel. Let me tell you, there is somebody connected to your life that thinks you are toxic, whether it's toxic positivity, toxic religion, toxic anger, pick your poison. Everybody has somebody who doesn't like them. That's just the reality of going through life. Um, Some of y'all have multiple kids and some of your kids like you and some of them don't. Because we all have a way in which we view the things that happen to us, around us. And so, you know, I mean, just real talk, would you believe, well, I don't know, I hope, I hope this is shocking, that there are people out there that just hate my guts. Hate my guts. Send me messages. I hate you. <laughs> Whatever. I saw, they're so good at deleting negative comments, but I, one of the preaching clips I, that was posted, it, it like just happened to show up on my phone and somebody said, this is rubbish. But I read it in like kind of a English accent, like this is rubbish. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, and we're laughing, but I'm trying to make light, like no matter how right you do it, there are gonna be wounds on the other side of something. Whether you had a good dad, you could still have father wounds. They didn't do enough. I wish they would have done more. They, they, were too, um, they were too nice, right? We, everybody is coming. Nobody has walked through life without some degree or some measure of some wound connected to fatherhood. And so if you came in with big, gaping, horrible, bleeding, oozing wounds, I want to tell you, you're in good company. So have a lot of other people. But, the, but what we're trying to do here at V1 Church is take people on a journey of healing so that they don't have to live subject to those wounds. Okay, are we on this? Is this helping anybody? I'm just trying to lay the framework. But here's the thing, parents, we're talking about honor. You also can't use that scripture as a battle ax against your kids. Let me tell you, you will get the opposite of honor. So you can't provoke, right? The Bible says, don't provoke your sons into anger. However, we do have to tell them the truth. And I'm a spiritual mom. And I'd only be a spiritual sister if I was like, yeah, he's a jerk. You don't have to honor him. That's what sisterhood does. But spiritual motherhood says, no, let's see what the Bible says. This might be something we don't want to do, but we might have to do it anyways. So we got to turn it around. Um, Okay, here's the thing about honor. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The thing about honor is honor doesn't have to be earned. 
And I know we have this, um, these values, you know, you see different distinctions, maybe in the military of honor, and you have to do, you know, who was in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts? I don't know if that's a, something people do out here. Um, in Indiana, that was like a big deal. And so they would earn badges and all these different things. And, um, you know, there was distinctions of honor depending on what, what things you have done. But in the kingdom, honor doesn't have to be earned. So I would say that honor isn't even really honor until a relationship has some tension in it, until a relationship is tested. And so if you talk good about me, when things are good, you just like me. But when you got my back and there's tension and you say things that are not gossip, slander, strife, now you've honored me. So Bella, we, you know, we give her money every time we use her in a sermon. I owe you, girl. So Bella isn't honoring me when we're getting our nails done, which we love to do, but don't look at them today, okay? <laughs> Bella isn't honoring me when we're getting our nails done and we're going to TJ Maxx and we're living our best life. That's, that's called getting along. It's when maybe she's tempted or maybe I tell her something that she doesn't like and then she changes her heart posture, even though she don't like it, towards honor. So I think that honor is a lot deeper than we think that it is. And I think we need to bring honoring parents back into the church. It's deeper than you think. It's weightier than you think. I think it means more to God than you think. And so we are probably the most socially evolved generation up until this point. Remember, nobody, you know, I grew up in the 80s and therapy was like a cuss word. Like nobody even said that. Now we talk about it very openly. You can Google things. I mean, you can get full therapy sessions on YouTube. You know, you, now you can do it all digitally. You don't even have to go in. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about the mental journey of healing a father wound. I'm talking about the spiritual journey of healing a father wound. I'm not called to that, um, to that world, but I am called to address the spiritual root systems. Does that make sense? So I don't want to oversimplify it. I know that it's complicated. However, what I'm saying is, is there are no asterisks in, in Scripture. There is no, well, but if you know. That's not how the kingdom of God works. And so we're the most culturally, or I'm sorry, socially evolved generation, um, mentally probably. And so some of y'all are so mad because, you know, you're talking about like, my parent doesn't, they don't even know what a trauma bond is. It's like, you didn't know what it was either until you downloaded TikTok. <laughs> Give them a break. They didn't even have the internet. You know, and so I think sometimes we hold people to all these standards and we want to make people repay and revenge. But I want you guys, these are, these are ancient things. These are narrow paths. This is countercultural. So what we're saying today isn't tickling your ears. And I know I'm not getting a lot of amens except for maybe this corner. I love you. I got you. Got to work with them. But this is countercultural. This is not popular. This is unpopular biblical teaching. But I, here's, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you've never done this before. But when I was studying for this sermon for the first time ever, I actually put myself in the feet of the children of Israel. I was like, Lord, I gotta, I gotta like think about this. And you have to understand that the Lord is commanding this 
to parents who pulled their kids out of their bed in a wilderness in the middle of the night under slavery, only to be chased down by enemies. And they were going to kill men, women, children. They weren't holding nothing back. Then you get to a, a big uh, river, and now they got to, or the sea, they got to walk through it. They don't know if that water, I mean, they're trusting the Lord, but they trusted the Lord when they left, and now they're enemies on their heels. Talk about traumatic. And so now you have these children of Israel. They're on this journey to a promised land that seemed so distant. You have a whole generation, a part of that exodus that wasn't even allowed to see the promise of God. You have their leaders' bones who weren't even allowed to go to Canaan. And so when the Lord is commanding this, he's not commanding it to, um, you know, the family that you see on Leave it to Beaver. He's commanding honor to children who probably had deep wounds of rejection, fear, and shame. It was not an option. Well, I know you've been through a lot, so if you eventually work through it, then I would say try to honor. That's not what he said. When he says honor, he means honor. And then Jesus comes in his loving mercy and he begins to address the Lord as Father. And everybody loves the Jesus part of the Trinity because it's what washes us clean and makes us home. We get to come as we are. But the Father part of God doesn't let us stay as we are. And so it's hard for people who've been wounded to understand God as a father because he doesn't fit the American Home Depot dad. The guy who worked late, who sometimes remembered and sometimes didn't. And so if you came in today with a wound from a father that isn't healed yet, can I be real with you? If you came in and that wound hasn't been addressed spiritually, hasn't been healed spiritually, you came in today with an orphan spirit. And I know that's hard to hear because, like, we should be, you know, passing out hot dogs after church and playing, you know, Christian poppy music or something. But I think the most loving gift as a church that us pastors can give you is an opportunity to be completely and totally free. And so I want to preach something like that. But I have to address that if you came in with wounds not healed from a father, you came in with an orphan spirit and you need to be set free today. And I know you might be thinking like, Julie, I don't have weird spirits. That sounds weird. Okay, well then just answer this question honestly. How do you feel about your father? That answer will tell you whether or not this is something that you're dealing with. And so how does the orphan spirit manifest? It can manifest itself in loneliness, neediness, and you never really feel in. That's how the orphan spirit manifests. And so I can't even take credit for that, man. I like Pastor Mark Driscoll. I was like, I'm taking that. Like, that's it. So lonely, needy, never feel in. You might want to write that down. 
He also talked about how when people have a strong orphan spirit, they have this um, deep need to gather people. You see this all the time in rogue ministries, primarily in prophetic rogue ministries, a lot of times. I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying sometimes. And so I just have to teach you as a pastor, how to identify this? Because if we're not careful, you'll see a lot of ministries that are not connected to churches or spiritual um, apostolic networks or church governance, and they'll build entire philosophical ideologies bore out of orphan spirits. And we buy tickets. And it comes out in this way. Well, the problem with the church is you better watch. You better watch. I'm not saying we can never talk about the problems in the church. But my question is, do you have a pastor? What is the name of your church? Do you tithe to your church? I'm trying to like give credence. Does this word bear weight in the kingdom? Are there elders who've identified, promoted, and sent you? How do you know what's happening in the church if you don't go to one? The last time you went was the 90s. Somebody hurt you and you've never been back. How do you know what's going on in the church? You don't have a church problem. You have a father wound. And so you see people try to gather people into these, you know, small circles or big circles. And they try to have all this um, unaccounted ministry that's have no accountability, no, uh, nobody checking in, no oversight, nobody there if there's a problem or an accusation. And so you have these people who are gathering to heal deep, deep, deep wounds in this. And you could have a thousand worship services and never be healed from a father wound. Only Jesus can do the healing. And so I want to caution, do not profit off the church and dishonor the bride. Do not profit off the bride of Christ and cheapen the beauty in his church. Heal the father wound and stay in the father's house. Because when you see a picture of a father, you don't think of homelessness. Fathers have homes. They have places where their children dwell. You need to be able to identify this because I can't tell you every single thing to do and don't do. That's going to cause a whole nother problem. We can't have a codependent church. You got to be able to discern and see the fruit on your own. And so I'm trying to give you tools to identify, do you have a father wound or does someone else? And so God doesn't need church. You need church. Church isn't for God. Church humbles you. Church is a part of the father heart of God. If you're like, why are you talking about the church? Because the father wound blocks who God is. It's so hard to see how the church is connected to the father wound, but most people who are disconnected from the church are struggling with wounds of a biological father or a spiritual one. And so you can't be chasing down prophetic words with no roots. You got to be careful who's speaking into your life. It needs to be sure that you're not getting a father wound. And so when we begin to uh, feed those cultures, what happens is it feeds the father wound. It doesn't heal it. 
And so I, I promised you we're, we were going to look at some bad dads in the Bible. So let me come clean on that because that was a hard word. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are y'all with me? Do y'all love me? Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but I hope you do. So here's some bad dads in the Bible. If y'all need, you're like, I need to feel good about myself. This will make you feel good. Okay. Lot offered his daughters to be assaulted so he could serve his guests. And so if you have a dad that's bowing down to more messengers than giving daughters to strangers, you got to be careful. You got to make sure the right things are in priority. Saul sold his daughter. Kids, cover your ears. Saul sold his daughter for 200 foreskins. You heard that right. I had to read that twice. I was like, what? Why? He only asked for 100, by the way. How would you feel if you were the daughter? I'm like, oh, man. Um, But I love that David was like, say less. I'll bring you 200. No problem. Eli allowed his sons to defile the church by stealing, misusing church resources, and sleeping with people. And David had some crazy sons. And so I want to, the reason why I say that is one, so if, if you are a bad dad, hopefully you feel a little bit better. <laughs> hopefully you feel a little bit better about yourself. But um, I also want to say that in spite of all those things, the Lord still used them. And so God is not interested in you Um, in your ministry, he's interested in healing you. He's interested in setting you free. And then let that be the testimony from which your life speaks. And so I want to read Matthew 5, 44 through 48. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Here's the thing. For some of you, your dad is your enemy. And I get it. I've heard some stories of, of things that I'm like, yeah, I would feel that way too. I, I, if I were you and I was in your shoes, I think my flesh would definitely feel that way. But if that's the case, you have to deal with that emotion in the spirit. You have to deal with that reality in the spirit. You have to take it in prayer. You are not exempt from forgiveness. And so in every example, you see these men that are wrestling with fatherhood But God's fatherhood does not fail, and you can't put it in man's context. And so God is not human. His fatherhood is not human. It doesn't, you know, well, my dad did this. Well, God isn't your dad, and his fatherhood is perfect. His fatherhood is complete. His fatherhood is not human. His fatherhood is primary, and every single thing that he does flows from it. Everything is made in his likeness. And so we have to have a revelation of God as father in order for us to father and in order for us to be fathered. Ladies, we are not exempt from the father wounds. This is not a message to men. In fact, I would say in some cases, especially in a marriage, sometimes a wife can be guilty of enabling a father wound and using that father wound in an argument. You better be careful. We got to have a revelation of God as father. Here's what God isn't. God isn't a liberal father. Life is life. Whatever you want to do, God is love. Okay. 
Just here for a good time at the conference, yeah. Live like crazy when you go home, okay. God is not a liberal father. He does, it's not everything goes in his house. That's why we're not afraid to correct and, and say, hey, you know, I love you. Don't say that again. <laughs> it's okay to have a house like that. Or, hey, here's a better way. Or, hey, you know, I noticed this in your life. Do I have permission to speak into it? That's a good thing. God is not a liberal father. God is not a legalistic father. He is not checking the length of your skirt at the door when you walk in. He's not checking all that. He's not making sure. Did she cut her hair this week? We'd all be in trouble. He's not a legalistic father. He doesn't have a gold star chart on the back of his desk with your name and, you know, taking stars and adding stars. That's not how he works. God is not a toxic father. He's not waiting for you to fail. I had a strong word in the 9 a.m. I felt like there was somebody specifically in the 9 a.m. service who said the phrase, God's playing games with me. God is not playing games with you. God loves you. He will accomplish the plans and purposes that he has for your life. But you got to submit to his process. You got to do it his way. You can't do it your own way. He's not a liberal father. He's a perfect father. And so God isn't a toxic father, but it can be difficult to be loved by God as father, to honor God as father with father wounds. Because the father will say, or a father wound will say something like, you know, like, I don't answer to anybody. Okay, you probably have a father wound. Every time I hear that, I'm like, all right, okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. And it will rob you of the joy of community. It'll rob you of the joy of being vulnerable. I I love what men of valor are doing. They're breaking down stereotypes. They're saying it's okay to cry together. It's okay to pray together. It's okay to serve the house together. Did I hear right? Did we have men here cleaning or something? Like, yes. The men of this house clean this church on Father's Day weekend. When I heard that, I cried. It wasn't about the cleaning, because obviously, you know, us ladies, we don't mess around. Give me the Clorox. I'm good. It was, it was breaking that spirit of pride to say it's not about the cleaning. It's about when we get men in the same vicinity together. There's power. There's unity. There's prayer. Father wounds and orphan spirits will eclipse the beauty of God as father in your life. And so how do you gauge? How, how, do, I, how do you know if you're healed? Because if you've had any measure of, of pain in fatherhood, it's, it's hard to tell at what stage of healing you are. Anybody else or am I the only one? Like, like have you ever went through something and you're like, am I healed? Like, I don't know, you know? Um, 1 John 4, 18 through 21, it says, now I want you to get this because I think we talk about, we use this scripture talking about fear, but I want you to think about it in terms of love, okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever has not been perfected in love, we love because he first loved us. 
If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not. That's sobering. So when you, when you are totally healed, here's some gauges that you can, you know, go back to to say, okay, where am I in this process? When you don't have to tell your side of the story anymore. When you don't have to have people adopt your version of what happens. If we're sitting at a table and you're constantly afraid that I'm going to bring it up or I'm going to use it against you or I'm going to try to get revenge, casting out all fear is casting out all punishment. Fear is for punishment. Love is not punishment. You cannot wish for punishment and walk in love at the same time. You cannot want revenge and walk in honor at the same time. Those two things repel each other. And so it doesn't mean that what happened is fine. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you were abused, that that doesn't matter. It matters. It doesn't mean that the relationship is always has to be perfect, but honor is a heart posture. It's like, you know, when you get pulled over and you're, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh. It's like you hate the process, but you have to submit to whatever process that is. When you go into a store and there's checkout lines and you see the self-checkout line and the lady makes you go to the self-checkout line, even though you hate the self-checkout line, because somebody always got to come over and help you. Just let me go to the lady, please. Somebody just got free up and out. We don't like the lines, but we honor the process. And sometimes when it comes to our, um, our relationship with our father, honor doesn't mean you love it. Honor means that what you're, what you're saying is I'm not going to act out of my emotions because my emotions are probably going to make bad decisions. And so honor doesn't have to be received, but it does have to be given. Even if you never get honor, some of y'all are waiting for somebody to honor you. Listen, <laughs> listen, for some people, you'll be waiting your whole life. Don't wait for somebody else to get free for you to get free. Don't wait on somebody else to get breakthrough for you to get breakthrough. Don't wait on somebody else to honor you for you to give honor. That's not how it works. But I do want to give a disclaimer because some some of, some of you have been um, victims of abuse, especially by parents. I want to read to you this scripture because let me tell you, the Bible doesn't miss a thing. So if you say, well, that's toxic and I saw this thing and we don't have to do this. This is old school. Listen, even though culture can evolve, the Bible doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want to read this scripture because the Bible doesn't leave us, it doesn't leave us hanging. Matthew 18, 6, it says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I'm telling you, trust God's process. Trust his process. Let God have his way. Let God do what he needs to do. 
So some of you are here maybe with strained relationships. Some of you maybe never knew your dad or you have pain from a dad who is in your life or a spiritual father that you had a poor interaction with. And so you might be thinking, well, this isn't my job. They need to apologize to me. But when I read the Bible, and this is just how I interpret it, I would say it's only your job. I would say it's wholly your job. And so that's not a fun thing to say because what I want to do is get your back because I love you guys. And if somebody messes with my church members, I'm like, hold the earrings, AK. Like, (laughs) me and Pastor Natalie, don't come for us, okay? (laughs) Don't come for our people. We love them. So, I mean, my flesh, quite honestly, wants to be like, I got your back. But your spirit stays bound. Your wound is still bleeding. And that doesn't set anyone free. And so Mike and I, we went through this season. And he shared this story, so I'm not, like, outing him or anything like that. But we've walked through, like, you know, crazy things in our marriage and infidelity and whatever. And I remember our pastor or counselor telling us, you need to find ways to cultivate honor in your home because I just dishonored him. I just didn't like him. Um, And if you've been through any kind of marriage thing that's serious, you understand. I don't even need to explain this. But um, I I just, what I'm trying to let you know is that, yeah, he was wrong, but I wasn't right either. And I think sometimes when we've been dishonored, we, um, we just need everybody to bow their knee to our pain. And thankfully, I had a pastoral counselor who flowed in so much wisdom who said, no, you actually don't get the choice. Like, you need to learn how, if you want to stay together, you got to learn how to honor. So I was trying to find ways to bring that in. And so one of the things that I needed to change was every time I heard his tires, like we had a gravel driveway, Indiana things. And and so like he would like pull up and I would hear the gravel like, you know, and my heart would like sink and I'd be like, oh gosh, he's home. Here we go. Um, And so I had, that was like the most toxic thought in my day. And so I had to change that atmosphere. I had to start sewing it with honor. And so what we started doing was every time, Bella was just like little teeny weeny tiny. I don't know if you even know if you remember this. But every time we would, he would come to the door, we would start cheering. And I don't know why we came up with this name, but, and we still cheer it, which is funny. Um, but we say, Daddy D, Daddy D. I don't know, it's just what she could say at the time. And we would just chant and cheer for him as he would walk in the door. Now, my heart was not there. But someone had to be the redeemer in the situation. Someone had to redeem the honor in the situation. And so I don't know what that looks like for you and your context with dads or husbands or relationships, but somebody's going to have to sow honor first. And most of the time, it's the person who's hurt the most. Jesus went to the cross first. If we want to be sons of the Father, we have to model and act like our dad. The Father sent his son first, not knowing if you'd ever come to church and speak in tongues and be healed and doing all that mess. Like, he came first. And so how much more do we have to sow honor first? So here's what I would just tell you, because I'm going to walk you through, like, how to give free, how to sow honor how to change it in your mind. 
is as soon, and this is what it might look for you, I don't know. At the time I had a Psalm and I would just repeat that Psalm. But now with YouTube, I'm like, we got a song for everything. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as that thought of unforgiveness, revenge, resentment, punishment, heartache, grief, right? Whatever that thought is, mine was dread. That was the thing that, you know, fear. That was, that, those were the things that was going on in my life. And like this, so every time that thought comes in, you got to change the atmosphere, You got to learn how to change the atmosphere of dishonor. Every time somebody at the dinner table wants to talk about what a, you know, stinky job dad did at, you know, showing affection, it's like, okay, but maybe he's going to get better. All right, let's talk about the future. How do we change it? Change the atmosphere. As soon as your kids want to trash talk their dad, change the atmosphere. And so this song wasn't out at the time, but if it was, this would have been, this is, this would have been my song. And maybe you can borrow this in your, in your season. How many here got, just be honest. How many here got father wounds? Last service, it was like everybody in the room. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I'm going to give you a tool. And so this is what maybe I would have done. So that thought like, oh, Mike's coming home. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. I want you to sing this with me all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now this is the part where you got to get prophetic. Your goodness is not enough. We can't sing that high. We got to bring it down, AK. Let's start over. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Come on, sing that. Because your goodness is running after, running after me. Just keep singing that. Because you can't always have a band behind you. You're not always going to be in church when you got a wound and you got a thought that you got to combat. You got to learn how to do this in your car. Your goodness is running. Is running after. You got to catch up with them. Your goodness is running after. Is running after me. All my life laid down. I surrendered now. I give you everything. You got to lay it down. Because your goodness is running after. Is running after me. Come on, and you just changed the atmosphere. You just took, you took something that the enemy is trying to ruin your life and ruin the relationship with your kids and your family and rob you of generational legacy. And you've taken it and you said, my pain is worship. I'm giving honor before honor comes to me. I'm not waiting to be free. I want you to stand. I'm going to read the word over you. You got to learn your weapons, V1 Church. 
Your weapons are worship. Your weapons are the word. Your weapons are Psalms you haven't read yet. Proverbs you haven't read yet. You're not fighting flesh battles. You're fighting spiritual battles. Let me read this scripture to you and the band can come up. Deuteronomy 6. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land, man, I want you to see the grace and mercy in it. A land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods and the gods of peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Verse 16, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massa. Verse 17, be sure to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and the stipulations and the decrees he's given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you. You may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. Verse 20, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and law the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees to fear the Lord our God so that we may always prosper and be kept alive as in the case today. Verse 25, and if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he's commanded us, that will be our righteousness. And so when your kids come to you and say, why do you honor your dad? your mom, they were so mean to us. You, you simply look them in the, the eye and you say, we were slaves to sin, but God has set us free. And so we may not have had the best example, but we're gonna be the best example. 
healing the father wound frees you you don't need anybody to change you don't need a conversation all that stuff brings reconciliation and and i just want to say you can have freedom and not necessarily be an intentional covenant relationship that might happen for a lot of you and i pray that it does because that that's man reconciliation is incredible but freedom you don't need anything you just need to go before the lord you need to repent of your sin of unforgiveness and you need to ask him to heal the wound of the orphan spirit listen the father wound does not pay attention to age it does not pay attention to gender it will attach and lack whether you've been serving god one day or a hundred years the enemy wants to steal kill and destroy but god has already set you free he's already went up ahead of you do it god's way and so what i'm gonna have every at every location if we have um if we could have our prayer team come up our prayer team can come up if you are um, a male that's on our prayer team um and maybe you weren't scheduled but you see a need for for more men i want to invite you to come if you went through that process if we have any male pastors who weren't scheduled go ahead and come forward um we're going to receive people in prayer today at every location we are going to create a space to change the atmosphere if you came in heavy on father's day if it was a miracle of god you even got out of bed today i want to tell you the lord honors your sacrifice he's going to meet you where you're at and so these altars are open if you have a father wound you have an orphan spirit you need to be free it will rob you of the joy it will rob you of your inheritance god wants generational freedom for you and so right now we're just going to shift the atmosphere church these altars are open at every location at every revival home in california and nyc these altars are open if you're listening on youtube Stop just doing the dishes. Get up. Get right with the Lord. Begin to confess it to Him. Come on, we're getting free everywhere. Everywhere. Do not walk out of here with the same heaviness. This is not just for dads. This is for women, children. We want generational freedom. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Church, lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want you to sing this over us. We're gonna learn how to change the atmosphere. Come on, Steph. Oh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running some of you came in mad at your father who died and you think this doesn't apply to you because he's not alive let me tell you the father wound doesn't even care if they're alive or dead it doesn't matter and so if you're dealing with resentment of a father who's already passed 
I want to encourage you. Come deal with that here at the altar. Let go of that resentment. Let go of that anger. Let go of that shame. If you're here and you've been a dad that's been ashamed of the way that you fathered, come now. Get free. Allow the Lord to do a new thing. Come on, step.